Welcome to the Girl on Top Shallon XO podcast. I'm your host, Shallon Lester, and you might know me from my YouTube channel, where I analyze celeb relationships and scandals for the lessons we can take into our own lives. But here on the podcast, I answer the best questions you submitted over the past week. Gotta love quandary? Head to my website, shallonlester.com, to get connected, and also shop my merch and take some fun quizzes. Be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it, and follow me on Instagram at ShallonXO, and find me on YouTube for four new videos a week. Welcome back to the podcast, Shalloners. Today, our mantra is going to be peace above everything. Your peace is absolutely crucial to getting through this holiday season and I mean, just getting through life in general. And it can be it can be one of those things that is tough to keep in mind because we get caught up in peer pressure of doing something that robs us of our peace or being polite so that no one thinks we care. Nah, 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 nah. This week, we're going to talk about therapy, how to find a good therapist, and most importantly, what to do if you don't really like your therapist. And we're going to talk about how to protect ourselves and get over someone that you have to see all the time. So, yep. It all comes back to peace. So that's going to be our mantra. We're going to roll our shoulders back. We're going to breathe deep into that belly. Just let those abs relax. I'm always holding my abs in. You'd think that I would have a six pack by now, but no, somehow they just get, just get softer. Anyway, loosen our jaw. We're going to breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth while repeating our mantra. In through the nose. Peace above everything. And out through the mouth. One more time, in through the nose, and out through the mouth. So as always, we source these questions from the Shalligator Reddit thread. Head on over there. There's several thousand of you guys all connecting and sharing and just being adorable. I love you. And speaking of packs and how we are pack builders here in the Chalantourage, please consider donating to the GoFundMe I've set up for the Gethsemane Garden Baptist Church. It's a black Baptist church in the Lower East Side of New York City. All of the attendees live below the poverty line, and yet they are so loving and so giving. And so we're trying to drum up $2,000 to give some presents to the kids, some warm coats, some things for the homebound seniors, and just other people in the community that Gethsemane also serves, despite, you know, having such limited resources. We really can be such a Christmas miracle there. Also... Head on over to my website, shallonlester.com. If you want to shop some merch, you can also donate to the GoFundMe there. And you can submit a question if you want a little one-on-one help from me. You can also do a video chitty chat and get a video shout out from me on Cameo. So head over there. All right, let's dive in. With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more, only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply, not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon. So our first question is about getting away from someone and getting over someone that you gotta see all the time. And the example we're gonna hear, but it's not relevant to my life, like I'm not in college, I'm not in the dorms. No, but you might be in an office or an apartment building or a small town or a church. There are, (laughs) because life is cruel and spiteful, a myriad of ways to run into someone you don't want to see. And isn't that always it? Like you never run into this person you're aching to run into. 
No, it's the person you're trying so hard to get over. And the universe is like, you know what would be funny? Oh my God, you know what would be so funny? If Shallon and James is like kept running into each other, but not ever like when she has her makeup on. <laughs> so here's the question. And it comes from the Shalligator Reddit thread. Head on over there. It's a wonderful place for Shalligators to connect. There's 2,000 of you over 2,000 um, active on there right now. And that's just like who's literally online right now. Oh, the Shalligator army so big. Okay, so the question says, so I fell for the boy who lives across from me in the dorms. I know, I know, very bad idea. But I cut him off because everything between us became just so complicated. It was definitely both our faults, but I really did start to realize that I didn't like him as much as I thought. I ended things with him right before school let out for break, and so I'm using this time to build myself and heal, and we no longer have super close mutual friends because, I mean, his friends are terrible, so I don't have to worry about having to hang out with him. Instead, I have to worry about seeing him. He is friends with my roommates, and he frequently pops by, and I'm working on myself, and I do feel so much better. I just don't want to see him. So how do I get over a dude who lives 10 feet away from me? And by the way, I can hear his voice from my room. Ugh! He's even admitted to bringing girls over to make me jealous. Like, what the fuck? And I just don't want to see any of it. I don't know how I would handle seeing him with another girl. I wouldn't care if I never saw it. I would have been totally okay if he lived somewhere else, but the fact that he lives right there is giving me so much anxiety for the semester to come. Please help me. Oh. Before I moved to Montana, this question, I probably wouldn't have covered it because it probably wouldn't have resonated with me very much. It's like, I live in a city of 8 million people. You actually run into people way more than you think you do because people in your sort of, I guess, genre tend to hang out in the same places. Like, I don't go to the Bronx, you know, like I'm in like the Lower East Side and Tribeca. So it is more dense and a smaller town than you think, <laughs> but it's not Montana. <laughs> and I feel, I feel you on this. I so feel her on this. And the word that stood out to me was anxiety. When I had my first Montana heartbreak, and I've talked about it a lot on my InfStream channel, head over there if you want some uh, exclusive content. Oh, we're also going to be doing some sexy topics over there, like how to be on top and all about threesomes and what guys think about threesomes, because the answer honestly would surprise you. Anyway, once I had my first Montana heartbreak, like I'm used to being brokenhearted and I can handle it. You know, like you have the Taylor Swift playlist, you have the ice cream, you have the kvetching to your friends. I didn't anticipate this level of anxiety because all it took was seeing him one time one time, seeing his truck drive by me, seeing him outside the drugstore, running into people he knew. I mean, just one of those things happened, and I was just this ball of nerves. I would go to the grocery store that I knew was kind of by his house and where he shopped. I would get to the parking lot, and I would have so much anxiety, I, could, I couldn't go in. I had to just leave. And I literally would drive 20 minutes to a different town to a different grocery store. That's crazy, right? But I... It isn't, though, because if we've ever been in this position, we know it's like this spider waiting to jump out and bite you. And what it is, in a way, we talk about this when we talk about grief, how grief stalks you. Grief is a stalker, and it waits, and it lurks until you're not paying attention, until you're vulnerable, until you're sad, and bah, it's on top of you. And that's kind of how exes are, right? You let your guard down, you're just creeping around Target, and your hideous sweats, no makeup, and oh, <laughs> Connor, I'm doing fine. I mean, thank God at least we have masks, you know, to hide behind. Like, can I just get a full body hazmat suit? But 
that's not always an option. So what are we supposed to do? Well, one of you guys commented back on this and you had some really good ideas. So I'm going to read her ideas before I get to my own. She said, well, you have a few options here. This is Quirky Confusion, a user. Very clever girl. She said, wear headphones so you don't have to listen to his voice all the time when you're both home and really spend as much time away from your room as possible if it's safe and you can. Focus on yourself and your goals. Study hard. If you know he'll be coming over, make plans to be absent when he's expected to be around. You can ask your roommates to kindly give you a heads up. Emotions should settle with time, but if being near this person is affecting your grades or your mental health, see if there's an option to move dorms. Oh, said it so well. This is so true. Like, the emotions will settle, but how can you heal if something keeps tearing out the stitches? You know what I mean? So I think she was right. Hey, ask your roommates, like, dude, I, I that's great that you guys are friends with Colin, but can you just, like, let me know when he's coming over? Because it's... It's over between us and I want us both to move on. And, you know, it's not easy when someone's literally in your living space. I also think it's kind of sus that he is friends with your roommates. Why do I think it's sus? Because he admitted to bringing girls over to make you jealous. He is inserting himself into your life. Like, these are not accidental run-ins. He's engineering these things. Don't you think he's probably talking extra loud, hoping that you hear him? I mean, I would if I had someone living that close to me who I knew was trying to get over me and I had a means to keep my hooks in them, I would. It's human nature. This is just our natural manipulative abilities and we have to guard against it because the other person is not. I, I read a quote the other day, givers have to have boundaries because takers never do. And this isn't an exactly give or taker situation, but it's kind of. It's someone who needs to protect themselves versus someone who wants to do whatever they want, right? So take precautions because the worst outcome of this is not that you don't get over him or that you're anxious. It's that you feel victimized. He's always here and I can't control it. Then we get in that victim narrative and then we get bitter and we get pissy and we lash out. And then we start this tit for tat war. Well, fine, I'm going to bring a guy over. And it's like, what are we doing? What are we doing? So take actual, practical, logistical steps to avoid that. Yeah. Wear your headphones. Don't be at home if you can possibly avoid it. Even if you're going down to the common room to study, watch Netflix on your iPad, great. Keep like a weird sort of stocky journal about when you encounter him. Is it 4 p.m. every day after he gets back from lacrosse practice and he's like full of testosterone? He's like, hey, Catherine. Is it then? Is it when he's drinking and he comes creeping by your roommates? Is it when he's all dressed up and he's got his shagging shirt on, he's going to go out to the bars? Like, Really make some notes. You can be like, all right, 11 p.m. on Fridays, this motherfucker is going to be swinging by my room. I'm going to make myself scarce. And it might only mean that you have to take like a 20 minute walk and then, you know, you bypass each other and it's over. What I've done here in Montana is I have forced myself to do that, too. And when I say forced, wow, sister, do I mean it? Because I it's like I I didn't want to go to that grocery store where I might see him, but all I wanted was to see him. You know, I didn't want to take the entrance into his neighborhood where <laughs> my friends live too, because I might drive by his truck. But of course I wanted to drive by it and see if he was home and just lurk, you know, just do the drive by. I forced myself not to, and it didn't feel good and it didn't feel natural, but it did feel healthy. And we talk about these kinds of decisions. We talk about stuff like eating and losing weight. No, it doesn't feel natural to order the salad instead of that double-decker burger. But it does feel healthier. And eventually, 
that foreignness of doing the healthy thing wears off and it becomes more like muscle memory. I don't go to this grocery store. I go to Safeway instead of this other one. Okay, this is just what I do. And we get accustomed to the feeling of peace, of the lack of anxiety. If we're honest with ourselves, we create a lot of our own anxiety. I mean, right? Because what is anxiety? It's self-obsession. It's self-focus. And I always say the antidote to anxiety is helping other people. It's real hard to feel sorry for yourself and go into a spiral about your weight or your grades or whether you have a boyfriend or what people are going to think of you when you're at a homeless shelter, right? And people have, you know, actual problems. I mean, maybe, of course you have actual problems too, but they have like parabolems, capital P. So how can we replicate that in our life, right? In this situation. Stop obsessing about it. And the way we stop obsessing about it is to take those logistical plans and, and make the switch. Like, okay, now that I know his schedule of creeping around me, I have taken steps to avoid it. And yeah, every once in a while I might run into him, but that's five times less than I normally would have. And the reason I don't is because of my own decisions. I have taken back my power in this situation that, if I'm being honest, he's been in the driver's seat. He's bringing girls over. He's coming into my space. No, 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 no. Think of this like war. And I'm not saying this guy means you any harm. I'm sure he doesn't. He might not mean you physical harm, and he might not consciously mean you emotional harm, but he's doing emotional harm. And what do we always say? Intentions don't mean shit. I don't give a fuck what your intention is. Look at drunk drivers. Their intention isn't to go out and kill someone. Their intention is to go home, go buy Dairy Queen, get some fries. But that doesn't mean it's not possible to hurt somebody. And it certainly doesn't mean it's without consequence, right? So if this person is an emotional drunk driver, careening around your life, doing whatever he wants to do, giving no thought to how it's going to impact you, then I do kind of see that as an enemy. Not like war, 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 but Seeing someone as a bit more of an enemy helps you take control of the situation. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> you're not just going to come into my dorm room without knocking. You're not just going to come and see my friends. You want to see my friends? You can ask them to go get a beer someplace. This is my house. This is my space. No, you're actually not just going to corner me in the hallway and be like, I brought that girl over to make you jealous. We're clipping that conversation. You want access to me? You can ask me out on a date. You don't just ambush me. When we have these parameters, we feel better about these interactions, right? So the way I did this in my own life here is like, so the way I've done this in my own life here is I have forced myself to broaden my horizons. I loved all the same bars that we would go to, but you know what? That bar, which is like divey and weird, is not worth my peace of mind and anxiety. It's not worth going out with my friends like, hey, you know where we should go? Oh my gosh, this is a crazy idea. This is like a crazy idea. Why don't we go to Old Saloon, where I would go with my ex all the time? Because then I'm going to sit there with my head on a swivel. I can't relax. I'm always looking at the door. Where is he? Is he coming in? Why am I doing that to myself? Why am I doing that to myself? And then why am I going home, laying there in bed, being sad and being like, why can't I get over it? You're tearing out the stitches, girl. So it forced me to cross certain places, certain activities, certain street routes off my list until I was over it. And by doing that, I discovered new bars. 
I drove to parts of town I'd never been to. I was able to go out with my friends and be present and not just like in this state of constant titchy anxiety. And I got over it so much faster. It, I couldn't believe it. It was literally like four days and I was like, wait a minute. I haven't sat here obsessing over this dude. Oh, it's because I have stopped accidentally importing all of these things that reminded me of him from where I drove to where I went to talking to people who knew us. I actually took myself to a little bit of emotional rehab. One other thing I wanted to address in here is um, the chickadee who wrote back and said, you know, if this is affecting you, look into switching dorms or rooms. I think that's such good advice. But the the pushback against advice like that, I know what it's going to be. Well, why should I have to switch rooms? Why should I have to switch rooms and switch dorms? Because you can be right or you can be happy. Peace or victory. You have every right to stay in that room, to stay in that office, to stay in that apartment building. You have every right, absolutely, righteous, victory. But if it is robbing you of your peace, if it's not making you happy, how is that victory? I always caution you guys against dating people you work with for this exact reason. Because look at the best case scenario. You date someone you work with, best case scenario, you're Pam and Jim, you get married, right? Pam and Jim are the most toxic, gross, unappealing couple to me that I've ever seen on television outside of Ross and Rachel. Don't even get me fucking started. I actually do have a video that definitely got me started on Pam and Jim. I did a whole video about them on my channel. Um, I think you, if you look up office romance, you'll find it or coworker. But yeah, best case, you get married and then you see this bitch all the time. They're with you all day at work and then you come home and it's like you again. Okay. It's like you never stop working and you never stop dating. That sounds like hell. But the far more likely outcome is that, oh, you hook up, the tension gets out, and then things fizzle for one reason or another, and you again, indeed. And they've cast a pall over a situation that is supposed to be neutral, whether that's school and your studying, where you live, or where you work. And the advice like I've given you guys was honestly start looking for another job. If you really can't get over it and it's making you this miserable, first of all, your job performance is suffering. So it's time to get out now before you run yourself into the ground and get fired. Um, and I, this is just a really shitty hard lesson that a lot of us have to learn the hard way. You know, we almost all of us have. For whatever reason, this is the only lesson I haven't had to learn the hard way. This is the only thing in my life that I was like, you know what? I'm going to exercise the smallest modicum of foresight and avoid doing this. But I think I never dated coworkers or people like in my neighborhood or on my dorm because, I mean, especially coworkers, because my career just means so much to me. And it was so hard for me to get where I was. You know, I feel like I really just clawed up my up the corporate ladder and it's like I am not letting anything come between this and you guys know how much I love boys how boy crazy I am so I'm trying to help you guys avoid that same fate but yeah if this is affecting you dip get out peace over victory go where is peaceful it's not cowardly it's not whoa she's just so affected by it yeah maybe you are affected by it you're a human being Maybe you are affected by seeing someone who is toxic or unwanted or just distracting that mosquito stress. 
Why do you need to put up with that? Who are you proving that to? What's the pot of gold at the end of that rainbow? Do you get some sort of award for it? Is there like a tax rebate? No, no. It's just so people don't think you care. Um, I care a lot. I care about all sorts of things. And I care mostly about my own peace of mind. And I will move heaven and earth to protect it. This next question comes from a shalligator who wants to know about therapy. She said, Shallon mentions therapy a lot and recommends it often. And I've always wanted to go to therapy to work out some issues about my family that I see bleed into other areas of my life. I really, truly believe that the mind needs therapy just as much as the body does, usually more so. So how do you find a therapist? How do you find one that's a good fit or even know if one is a good fit or not? I've always shied away from it because it seems kind of daunting to get the ball rolling. And I know this might be a little tougher in COVID times, but I'd appreciate any of your thoughts. So I'm so excited to hear you're thinking about therapy. And I know a lot of us are. I mean, because look, at this point in 2020, right, just garbage, we're kind of at our breaking point. And now the holidays are here and now potential second lockdown is coming. And it's just like, I kind of can't manage this on my own. And girl, why would you have to? Why? Outsource. I outsource everything. Why not outsource your mental health? Get a little help, right? Truly, truly, the mind does need therapy more than the body. You wouldn't feel any type of way about going to the dentist, going to the chiropractor. I love the chiropractor. Going to the gynecologist. There's no like layer of shame or you should be doing that yourself. What do you mean you didn't fill your own cavity? Ugh, you didn't do your own open heart surgery? Wow, I guess you're crazy. Who the fuck? No. And honestly, any sort of stigma we have about therapy is at this point, it is just a ghost of the 80s. When in the 80s, it's like, oh, I'm going to go see my shrink. Oh, what are you crazy? Looney bin. Or even before the 80s, you know? Like, our generation doesn't feel that way about therapy. And if someone does, they're the craziest person of all. They're the person who doesn't want to confront what's going on in their mind because they're so afraid of it and they're so weak they don't feel like they have any power to dismantle it. Well, that's not us, honey. And I think what stood out to me in this question is it's daunting to get the ball rolling. Ugh. Yes. Like the worst therapy session you're going to have is always the first because you go in there and you sit down and you're like, okay, like my dad left and I don't know, my mom's an alcoholic and my sister's super narcissist. It's like you're just trying to give like this super cut of your life. And it's you feel like you're talking too much, first of all. And you feel like, am I am I sharing the right things? I don't even know. Like, is this is this the relevant data point? Is this like the highlight of my relationship with my dad or my situation with my ex? And then once you like get all that out, like in a session or two, because usually takes two sessions. If you realize you're not a fit with that therapist, It's like, fuck, starting all over seems just exhausting. And if you're in therapy, you're probably already exhausted. Last year, I had someone stalking me and I saw this therapist who came recommended and she could not have been worse. She could not have been more annoying and lame. And she literally would say shit to me like, why are you letting this bother you? I'm like, why am I letting a stalker who says they're going to come and kill me and has done dry runs to my house from Washington, D.C. Why am I letting that bother me? Thanks for victim blaming. I'm like, if someone had raped me, would you be like, hey, it was just a bad lay? I said this shit to her because I'm like, I, I am here as a high level woman. 
I am a high level cognitive thinker. I have a big background in psychology myself. I want to dive into the deep end. I want cognitive behavioral therapy tools to manage this stress that is wildly out of control, to get my life back, and to feel like I have a toolbox to manage this if it comes up in the future. And you're sitting there telling me, why is this even bothering you? At one point, I was like, you know, if nothing bothered anyone, you'd be out of a job. And I only did like, I, I, I went back like four times because, you know, you keep thinking, all right, maybe it's just a bad session. Maybe it's just a bad session. Maybe I'm not explaining myself right. And then I was like, why the fuck am I twisting myself into a pretzel trying to make this woman's job easier? My point is, I eventually cut, cut the ties because I went into therapy, like I said, with very actionable goals. Ameliorate the stress, build a toolbox, get to the root of X, Y, and Z other issues. Like, I'm not here to just like talk and, oh, I don't know. I don't want to be yay-sayed. I want to be doctor-filled. That's the kind of therapist I want. That's the kind of, you know, in air quotes, therapist I am to you guys. I don't sugarcoat shit. Life is busy. We got to get to the root of things, dig it out, pull that emotional splinter out, move on and be better. Who wants to sit on a couch? Blah, 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 blah. For eight months before they reach a breakthrough, they could have had it 20 minutes on my YouTube channel. <laughs> right? So I cut ties with her and I was like, I, I felt so hopeless. I'm like, I tried. And the idea of unraveling this all to my new therapist makes me want to throw up. Even though this new therapist was like super highly recommended, I love him. I love him to this day. Love him. And one of my friends gave me a really good idea. She's like, why don't you write it down? Like, you're a good writer. It's easier to like focus your thoughts and, and edit your thoughts and like cut out the things, you know, that maybe are extraneous and just focus on the big things or or put it all in there, you know, and email it to him beforehand. Be like, hey, here's a primer. I made a PowerPoint presentation, <laughs> slides of my trauma. And I did that and I was like, oh my God, this was so much more useful. So when we sat down, we hit the ground running, right? I mean, of course, like I still went through it and he had questions and, you know, we broke it down and stuff, but I didn't feel that sense of, oh, because when we're talking about something traumatic, talking about it re-traumatizes us. When I was talking about my stalker, I was getting jittery and anxious and nervous and crying again. And I'm like, I can't keep, I can't keep starting like this. This is, this is agonizing, right? So having it written down, I was able, I mean, I loved Dr. John, who, who I ultimately stuck with, but I did try a few other therapists and I was able to do that because I had this, this sort of trauma essay that I was able to send to them. And so therefore, when I met with them the first time or telemedicine or whatever it was, I was able to kind of jump to the end, into the deep end and get a sense of what their advice was going to be. Because if they were like, well, how does that make you feel? This is not the therapist for me. For some people, it is. People who just aren't in touch with their emotions and they can't acknowledge that I'm angry, I'm disappointed, I'm rejected. I'm like already there. So if a doctor was like, all right, this is your mantra, this is your homework, I want you to do this, I'm like, yes. And that's what Dr. John did for me and which is why I ultimately stuck with him. And this is also very, very easy to execute with telemedicine. I use this company called BetterHelp. This is not an ad. Do you want to know why this shit isn't an ad? Because 
when I was going through, when people were like trying to cancel me and making hate videos, I was using better help to like, you know, just sort out my thoughts about it. And these motherfuckers, I'd done an ad deal with them and they're like, oh, we saw that there's some negative things about you online. So I think, you know, maybe this partnership isn't a good fit. And I'm like, I'm literally using your company to deal with the thing that you're now punishing me for. That's, you guys are great doctors. That's great. So the interface was good, but they can go fuck themselves anyway. <laughs> like, no thanks. But it was, I liked their interface because you could choose like a male counselor, a female, faith-based, um, gay and lesbian focused, you know, you people of color, like you could kind of specialize because I don't like to talk sometimes. Um, actually, historically, I've always thought I wanted a female therapist actually, I prefer a male therapist. They just cut through the bullshit. And if I'm talking about boys, they're like, are you fucking kidding? He said that to you? That's horseshit. Like they can, you know, read a guy's crap. Whereas a woman might be like, you know what? Yeah, he's just, he's not in the right place. And a male therapist is like, he doesn't like you. Like, thank you. I don't want to hear that, but I needed to hear it. So Write your trauma down. Just It doesn't have to be a super long compendium, but just do some bullet points. It'll help you organize your thoughts. Even if you don't send it to them beforehand, you go in, you're like, hey, these are the bullet points of the things I want to work out. You'll know if it's a good fit only if you have goals set ahead of time. Do you want to get in touch with maybe some trauma you think might be repressed? I don't know. If weird shadows come up when you're drinking and okay, then you might want someone who's a bit more talk therapy. If you're like, I know what's wrong, but I don't know how to stop doing it, you might enjoy cognitive behavioral therapy because that is more like tools, mantras, um, behaviors. It's I love CBT. I think it's great. In terms of psychiatrist and psychologist, psychiatrists focus on the brain and they focus on like brain chemistry. Like you see a psychiatrist to get your medication, but you see a psychologist to do the talking and the working out of things in the CBT. I always prefer a psychologist, but you know what? My uh, my therapist, Dr. John, I don't think he is a psychologist. He's like a licensed marriage and family counselor. So sometimes the best people you're gonna find don't have the biggest degrees and that's okay. Like don't get super caught up in that. It's about who you have a connection with. It's about who is constantly challenging you to be better right? Because you might have like an issue you want to work out, the eating thing. Okay, I solved that. A good therapist is going to be like, I've picked up on some other things I think we should dig into now, right? It's like a personal trainer. All right, you get the washboard abs you want. A good trainer is going to be like, you know what? Now let's focus on those delts. Now let's focus on your cardiovascular health. Now let's focus on flexibility. They're going to keep challenging you to be better. And that's going to keep yourself challenged to be better. So, Try therapy, write down your trauma, make the process a little easier. And if you just don't feel a click, if they're not asking you questions and they're letting you just sit in silence, dip, dip, start over, go the place where you're going to feel the best about yourself. Well, that's it for this episode of Girl on Top. Thanks for being part of the Shalantourage. If you have a love question you need some help with, find me on my website, shallonlester.com, and be sure to connect with me on Instagram at shallonxo, and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Stay sweet, stay savage. Stay savage.